Welcome to this week's Pea Podcast with me, Catherine. And me, Joe. And this week, anxiety. We're talking everything about anxiety, what it is, how you can recognise it, and what we can try and do about it. So, yeah, anxiety. We, we're seeing a lot of it. I know as a teacher, or as a pastoral person, I've come across a lot of children who suffer from anxiety in sort of fairly general layers. Me, I've been very lucky. I'd say I had never had anxiety until first lockdown, just before the first lockdown, in fact. Um, and it really hit me. And I think it's the first time. I mean, how did you find that build up to the first lockdown? I, I've i been OK. Actually, I've been really lucky. I found, as I, said, I think mentioned last week, um, certain things that have happened recently much more challenging, yeah. but I, I've never suffered from anxiety. So tell me, tell me so, all about it. Well, for me, like it, it took a little while before I realised, but it was in the early stages when I could see what was coming. It was all looking very serious, but certainly where I was living, nobody around and about was taking it seriously at all, and it drove me crazy. Uh, all outside our front door, there were just loads of people. Um, I was living in a, in a place right next to the sea, so there were lots of people there all the time. I couldn't walk down the street because I couldn't keep away from people. And it it got me more and more anxious. I, I got really worried because I was worried for my health. I was worried for my husband's health. Then I also became obsessed with Twitter, and I was checking Twitter and the news Constantly. I mean, seriously, every 10 minutes I'd be checking what's the latest, where are we? And that really fed into it. And it took took a few days. I, I struggled to sleep. I struggled to I was tired, but I couldn't get to sleep. Um, I would be sitting there. I couldn't concentrate. And then suddenly I was like, oh, wait a minute. I know what this is. <laughs> Having heard of it from so many of the, the children that I've worked with, it's like, I've got, I'm suffering from anxiety. So then I had to write, okay, how am I going to stop this? And the first thing was to get rid of the phone for the day. So I didn't check the news. I didn't check Twitter. I didn't check things maybe in the morning, once at lunchtime, and then once in the evening. And that suddenly my anxiety level went down a lot. The people outside not taking things seriously, that annoyed me, but it then became an irritation rather than something that I fixated on. I just didn't go out when they were all out and about around, you know, around our front door. So, so that was really, that was my experience with anxiety. So you, your symptoms and what you felt and what you sort of, how it manifested for you was sleep, uh, yep. lack of tiredness. Did did it affect your mood? Yeah, I would say I was probably short-tempered, but I was just worried all the time. I was just worried uh, what would happen. And, you know, in those early days, we didn't know no, what was no. going to happen. I had recently come back from Sweden and as we had flown, so I came back early March and we had seen all these people with masks boarding a flight to China. And we were like, what on earth? Um, and it was, it's, so we'd seen people reacting in very different ways. And suddenly it was like, this is coming here. This is us. And um, seeing how many people had died, it was it was very, very scary. So for young people, I guess yes. 
it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because for you, it was a gradual yeah. exposure uh, and um, manifestation until it's kind of like, ah, okay, I've got this. So if I'm a parent... Well, I think if we take a step back, yeah. the most common age for anxiety is not at my ripe old age, but you will often find children, um, and I'm quoting from somebody called Sarah Jane Blakemore, who has, I'm just going to add this in, written the most amazing book that I think we will come back in a future podcast and talk about. It's called Inventing Ourselves, The Secret Life of the Teenage Brain. Cannot recommend that book highly enough. Um, And I think, yes, perhaps in a future podcast, we'll come back and talk about some of this because it is amazing. She has uh, she's got a, a graph in her in this book that shows anxiety disorders tend to start from about six through to twenty one. That's the really the most common ages for children, young people to suffer from anxiety. Also, impulse control disorders. So when they they really can't help themselves, um, that's slightly older, but only a little bit, sort of eight to about fifteen, where they really struggle. So if you get those two things overlapping, hugely anxious, worried with any sort of impulse control, you've got a very upset, worried child. Mm -hmm. So looking at sort of generalized anxiety disorder, it causes children to worry sort of most days and over all sorts of things. So where your typical child will worry about things like homework or tests or making mistakes or certain things. Children with this sort of heightened anxiety disorder, they will worry so much more. So, you know, and also over things that you wouldn't expect them to be worried about. So they might worry about break time, lunchtime, birthday parties, you know, who's going to be there? How will I, how will I know what to do? What will people, will people look at me? catching the school bus. Um, But equally, children with this sort of, this increased anxiety disorder, they will also worry about war, weather, the future. Well, let's have a look at that. We've got COVID, we've got climate, um, the whole future. They don't know where they are. They'll worry about safety, illness, getting hurt. So the time is really ripe for children even without an anxiety disorder, to be concerned. So recapping some of the symptoms then that parents might want to kind of look out for maybe. What they might see is that an anxious child, like a, a seriously anxious child, might find it very hard to relax, to have fun. They might find it difficult to eat well or to fall asleep at night. Um, if they're at school, they might um, they might miss days of school because worrying about it makes them feel sick or afraid or sort of tired. And often hugely anxious children will try and keep those worries to themselves. Others might open up and talk, but they will they will sometimes keep it to themselves. They might ask over and over and over again whether something that they're worried about will happen. So we'll, um, I know, you know, work with a child who had huge anxiety about her mother. She, After her mother dropped her at school, she was convinced that her mother would be in an accident 
and she really found it very difficult. That was all she could focus on was what if what if mum has had an accident on the way home and I wouldn't know. She hasn't called. So until she knew that her mother was safe, she can she got more and more worked up. So it's that those are the sorts of things that you might see. And kind of language that young people or or kids might use to express their anxiety. They might talk about being afraid. They might talk about being confused, stressed. Yes, you'll hear you'll hear the word these days. You hear the word stressed a lot. So stressed. Yeah, um, worried. I'm worried about. I'm they often nervous. Get, yes, very nervous. They worry about being embarrassed or making a fool of themselves. So not wanting to go on stage or not wanting to walk into a classroom. You know, if they arrive at school late, they can't possibly walk in. They can't possibly walk into an assembly after it had started. And it's it, it's. What we've got to look out for as parents, as educators, is where it stops being a fairly typical thing to be worried about. I'm really worried about this test that's coming up. I haven't done any revision. Yeah, that's normal. Where does that stop? And somebody who's really anxious, where does that tip into that? And it might be, okay, they've worked really, really hard. In fact, they've worked far too hard. They've been up into the small hours working and they're still worried about it, that would start to raise alarm bells with me. I'm worried that that work I did wasn't good enough. What if she finds a mistake? What what if... Almost frenetic. Yes, it it builds up to that. Yeah, but I think for me it would be looking at their sleep patterns and if they are changing, or as you said, when you were suffering from anxiety, that you you were really tired but you were unable to sleep, that's something to keep an eye out for. Also the relationship with food, uh, can they not eat? Because certainly I've known young people where when they're so anxious, it hits their stomach. Yeah. Um, and that persistently, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. something to keep an eye out for. And then changes of mood um, as well. One of the other things I would say to watch out for is the child's phone use if they have a telephone, because sometimes the anxiety can be around. Uh, different forms of social media. Gosh, how many times have we dealt with that? Mm, um, you know, people not not liking things or not, you know, but them posting something. Yeah, and nobody's responded. Oh my god! And she's got she's had seventy eight likes, likes, and nobody's come back to mine, and nobody's commented. Or you know, it's all of that sort of thing that you've got to just. That would really start to worry me, and I'm. I think I would be imposing quite a strict phone limit if you felt that the phone was increasing the anxiety. Um, And that's really interesting as well, because when you were talking about your own personal experience, when we started, one of the ways that you put a stop almost yeah. to it was you you I, I made a little note here that you detoxed from social media so you were very very strict about when you were going to look at social media because that was really feeding yeah. your yeah. anxiety yeah, for and me, I, it wasn't Instagram and all of that it was news sites obsessively yeah. <laughs> checking the newspaper checking the television checking the yeah but the patterns are the same aren't they absolutely and I, I think if you've got a a, a younger person in your household that you're worried about and it's it really is 
the the social media is feeding that young person, then I think it's slightly easier to to put those sanctions in place and say, no, you're not having your phone or you're not having this. Um, However, when you've got a a, a 17 year old, that's when we've constantly reminded ourselves when we've been making our podcasts about these lines of communication. And you're very good with 17 year old students. (laughs) You are because you sit down and and it will be a conversation and an honest conversation about what are the barriers? What is causing the anxiety? You drill, wouldn't you? Quite. Yeah. Have you got any yeah. top tips there f- for parents? Do you oh think? Lord! I, I, mean, I don't mean to. Hop- it's the same thing that we say. We've said, I think, on every single podcast so far. Communication is key. Mm. Actually, choose the right time. Choose the right time. At, as you're trying to remove a phone and they're hanging on to it for grim death because life will obviously end if they have their phone taken away, that is not the time to try and have a rational conversation about it. Wait until people are calm or, you know, go for a walk if you've got the sort of kid that can, will do that with you. Or say, you know, find a time that you can just sit there and go, do you know what, I'm really concerned about this I don't like the way this is impacting you and I'm worried for you. What do you think? And and open it up and see if they will they will respond to that. The ideal thing is for them to say, to set the barriers. Yep. Do you know what? I don't want to have it in my room at night. Most will go the, oh, I need it for my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the one. So be prepared for that and maybe have a different something else that you can use for for an alarm for them but but having trying to give them a little bit of time where they're not using it and I'm not saying you know 17 and older has to have their phone given up at night for me I use a phone to fall asleep I listen to audible or podcasts and yeah if so if I wake up and I'm struggling to sleep something like that will put me straight back but I wouldn't recommend that for a sort of 15 16 year old we we've we've made um family rules in inverted commas so we used to have our phones by our bedside tables because they were our wake-up call Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's for all of us parent and kid Uh, and now we don't have them by our phones if we need to have them in our bedroom which we try not to then we put them to the other side of the room because we know and we've had the conversations that there's the fear of missing out if someone's sending oh. a message and so forth or the lights go on or whatever. Yes. If you can see there's a message or a text or a whatever there, I defy anyone to lie there if you are awake at that time. Yeah. You cannot lie there and not look at it. I'm you know, no, absolutely. That's the reality. So I think the other thing is that you can, if you can, you can pick up some really cheap little um, battery run alarm clocks. Yeah. Or, or you know, if with the, with my middle one, well, I'll come in and wake you up. Don't worry about that. You will always be there for. <laughs> but going back though to the causes uh, of anxiety, there there are many many reasons why young people feel anxious as as us adults mm-hmm. one of the, one of the big things is their lack of control and particularly at the moment when when we're all locked down and we yeah. really can't control anything because that's been taken away from this it is it's a really important thing for us to consider as parents if we can in any way allow our young people to take control of what's happening in in their daily lives yeah. by having that communication 
um, two-way communication f- flowing, that would be something that I would definitely, definitely recommend. And particularly at the moment, if we're looking at our year 10s, 11s, 12s and 13s, where they don't even know what's happening with their exams, the control there has been totally taken away from them yeah. as well. We have to bear this in mind for yes. our older I th- and I think a lot of the exam students must be feeling anxious. I know we, you know we've said just mm. concentrate on what you what you can do, um, listen to your school. But you know it, who doesn't look ahead? You know you don't know if you're going to get to uni. All those things. It is it is difficult. Um, I think the other thing to be aware of with anxiety, particularly with maybe yeah, younger probably could go right through is when they go back to school now for some if they haven't been there for weeks and weeks and weeks being back with their friends they will be anxious about that they will be really anxious about seeing them again what if they're not friends well the little ones will feel like that but there will be a lot of anxiety and I think just being aware of that reassuring them no it'll you know just talk it through with them That's a really, really good point. I certainly know that uh, there's a little person that I know whose pals are going into school because parents are key workers and the the little person is not going into school and is being schooled at home. And they are really anxious because they think that their friends will be having a great time without them and they are missing out. Mm. And it's really real for them. So the point you make there about managing when they're going back in if there's any way that there can be zooms or some kind of reintroduction because maybe we will be at a point where they can go for walks uh, try and grab every yes and uh, arrange a zoom with their friends if they haven't seen their friends yet but yes as it gets closer if they can go outside somewhere and you know be safe and secure and all the rest then definitely definitely do that but break them in um, break it in gently. Yeah. One of the things that I've been talking to certain, certain students we've been working with uh, is their concerns around the fact that the teachers in the schools know what's happening about their exams and they don't. And their <laughs> communication is, is not coming back to them because it's all about them because it's their exams. And we need to reassure all of the parents listening, but also students, if they are listening, that that is not the truth. As soon as the schools and the teachers know, they will be communicating that in whatever form that the the school takes so that the students once again do feel that they're back in communication and in as much control as they can be of the situation. So please, can we reassure that that's not... Yes, teachers and heads are not keeping information back from you. No. Uh, um, One of the other things I know that that's causing anxiety out there for our young people is their anxiety about what the future looks like for them. Um, with the exam classes, then that's obviously that's fairly fundamental. But even our year sevens and our year eights, they are concerned because they feel that they have not received the amount of education that they should have done, that their education has been stymied because of the Mm. lockdown and therefore that's going to impact on their future going forward so again that's something as parents and carers that we could if if the opportunity arises maybe have that in the back of our heads 
just mm. just to kind of work that one through with with the young people the government will put plans in place to support our young people and they are talking about that already it'll be interesting to see what that roadmap looks like when it is it is delivered yeah i know that there are funds that are being ring fenced also to really try and bring these young people um along yes um, but we need to just be as reassuring as we can to 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 the young folks out there because it yeah. is it is an anxious anxious time. Um, no, the absolutely. Other, the other thing I think it, certainly in my household is uh, is grading accuracy when it comes to the exams for our current year 11s and current year 13s. How are they going to make sure that 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 is fair and equitable? And I think with that, this is a personal. Um, thought it's going to be fairer than it was last year because they have learnt from that quite frankly it was a debacle um, last year you know Mm. some people getting what the teachers said others being pulled all over the place I think well I'm hoping what they put in place will be more thought through and more equitable between the students. Absolutely and if there's anybody out there that really is worried or they're their child is worried, their young person is worried, do get in touch with us and we can work you through that and the kind of things that you can say in more detail if we know specifically. Get in touch with us at info at ppodcast.co.uk. We will definitely support you through that one. Not a problem. So... And finally, really, we need to talk about what can we do? So we potentially have a lot of anxiety running through our families and our homes right now for all sorts of reasons. We know what it might look like. We know what it means. What can we do as the carers of young people to work through this with them? I think, again, cannot say it enough, communication. Help help the children talk about their feelings. Listen, let them know that you understand, um, that you you love, you accept them. If you, if you can show that caring relationship, it will help them take small steps forwards. Don't say, oh, don't be so stupid, or don't be so silly, you know, or stop it. No, you, you might really feel like that because it's doing your head in, that's not going to help them. Um, so sort of letting them talk it through. What is it they are afraid of? What What's the worst they think could happen? And then once they've faced the worst, it's like, well, okay, if that's the worst, well, what would you do about that? What, what would actually, you know, what, what would actually happen? And I remember talking to somebody who was terribly f- afraid that she would get behind when she was off ill. I was like, okay, so you get behind, what what would that look like? What What would happen? Well, then I might have to, and it worked out that the worst that could happen is she might have to resit that exam. And we weren't talking end of year ones. This is just end of term within the school. And once she sort of realised that was the worst, it was very easy to step back and look at roots so that she wouldn't have to do that. And if that was the worst, life wasn't going to end. It was so sort of unpicking it a little bit can really can really help. The other, the other thing that we talked about last week, which it has, again, provided me a wealth of uh, support this week. Are we having a supportive conversation here or are we going to, are you looking for a solution? Yep. So when you have that young person talking to you, back of your mind, is this a supportive or a solution-based uh, yeah. conversation we're having? And um, if you need to ask them that question, then do. And recognising that they may be angry or sad or embarrassed. These are all 
emotions that are absolutely there and uh, yeah. real at the moment. I think also just helping your child take small little steps forwards, you know, one one small step at a time. Don't let them give up or avoid what they're afraid of. You know, just yeah. because they don't like something or they they say they're afraid of it. If you go, okay, darling, you'll never have to do that again. Okay, so when they say, I'm afraid of going to school, I'm sure everybody's had enough of homeschooling at the moment. <laughs> That's not quite true. I know for some families it's been marvellous, but for a lot of us it's been really difficult. Mm. But you can't let them give up or avoid it, but help them face those fears in small, small, careful steps and in a really positive way and be incredibly positive. Every time they manage to overcome one small thing, that can be very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I would recommend is keeping your your child in the loop. If you yeah. know something, if there's something that you know you can share with them, then do keep them in the loop because they then feel in much more in control and try to get them involved in what's happening. So, for example, if they've got to complete an assignment and they're feeling anxious about it, then sitting down and working through when they might break chunk. We say in, in, in teaching that you chunk things down don't you and, and, and bite-sized chunks when when are you going to have a look at this is there a good time in particular really work things through because sometimes it's just somebody stepping back and seeing the wood for the trees that helps them to kind of maneuver their way through what seems to be this really dark dark forest yes. um the other thing that we could mention which a lot of people started to poo-poo at the beginning of, of all of this lockdown but has become increasingly powerful it's this idea of relaxation techniques yeah something you know is there a guided meditation is there a guided breathing that's my dog which is <laughs> how real i apologize i think there may be a pheasant in the back garden. oops <laughs> bertie shush <laughs> it's not a child my, Sorry about my that. two are being quiet so that you know that's <laughs> that's unusual um yes i think mindfulness is a really good one and in fact uh, um a friend of mine runs mindfulness uh, courses. Now she's doing them online, but for children, for teens. So something like that would be really worthwhile. You know, if you Google it in your area, um, you, you should, well, could be anywhere really if it's going to be online. But I do think that can be hugely beneficial um, to children. Meditation as well. Guided meditations have been something that that I know that I've used and and have been really good. The other thing for anxiety that I find has been really helpful, just in terms of mood lifting, is going out for a quite brisk walk if you can, <laughs> just to get a bit of fresh air and a change of scenery. So even if it's only a fifteen minute walk, try and drag that young person out, even the sort of grumpy 17 year old come on let's go out and grab some grab some milk good luck with that <laughs> but worth a try always worth a try always yeah. on the bright yeah, side of things so there we go there's some some things that we possibly can do to help with yeah. our uh that's that's no that that's brilliant and if you've got any questions about this or anything else please drop us a line info at ppodcast.co.uk and um yeah thank you for for listening today Thank you very much.